Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. And this is Leonard Birdsong back with you on Leonard Birdsong Radio. We've got our first guest, uh, uh, actually an old colleague of mine, Robert Wharf. He's a graduate of Brown University and the Syracuse University School of Law. Many for, for many years, he worked uh, in the Legal Aid Society and was a public defender in upstate New York. But the majority of his career has been in law teaching at three different law schools. For the last 16 years, he was at the Barry University School of Law in Orlando. His teaching expertise falls into the area of constitutional law, criminal procedure, especially search and seizure issues under federal and state constitutions. Bob Worf, are you there? I'm here, Professor Birdsong. Well, it's so good to hear from you, Bob. Thank you for coming on my first show. Uh, you know, I talk about things in the law and things that are on my mind. You may have heard a little bit of the show. I actually have in my hand here a little pamphlet talking about the Fourth Amendment, and you know much about it. It says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person and things to be seized. That's all the Fourth Amendment says. Let's amplify on that. Is an arrest a seizure? An arrest of a person, using those two words, arrest, uh, seizure, and person, from the language you just quoted, those are, that amounts to an arrest, as most people know it. Mm-hmm. So the Fourth Amendment that you just read prohibits government from seizing a person, seizing any of us, uh, without probable cause to do so. Okay, what is probable cause, Bob? Well, probable cause has been, it's a, it's a there's not a real definite definition, but the United States Supreme Court has made it clear that probable cause does not truly mean probable in the sense of more likely than not, 51% and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it mm-hmm. does mean, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, is a substantial likelihood. I used to... When we would read a number of cases from the U.S. Supreme Court in my law school classes, uh, we would come to the conclusion that probable cause in terms of odds probably is somewhere in the one out of three range or better. Okay. More probable than not, though, doesn't make it, huh? Right. So (laughs) substantial likelihood to believe that Someone has committed an arrestable offense. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't need to have a warrant, the police, that is. Generally, don't need to have a warrant if they see you doing something that's criminal. That's obvious. But they can't arrest you in your house without a warrant. Is that right? That is correct, except under very extraordinary and dangerous circumstances. Mm-hmm. Normally, mm-hmm. to go into anyone's home. They need a search warrant. Right, right. So what when someone gets arrested either on the street for doing something or they have a search warrant 
to arrest you or something like that in your home, what can you do? What should you say? Or what should you not say? Well, I think the the two situations are different. Uh, arrest versus a search warrant. So let me just quickly hit each of the two. All if right. somebody comes to our home, if police come to our home with a search warrant and that gives them authority to come in and search, whether we like it or not, we do have the right to ask to see the actual search warrant right. uh, in the law of most states and, and federally. Uh, but that's all. That's the only power we really have on, on mm. the search warrant. Mm-hmm. Now, with with an arrest, whether it's by an arrest warrant or, as you pointed out very often, there's no arrest warrant. Police come up to us on the street and they slap the handcuffs on. We're under arrest. What rights do we have? All right. Well, we've been seized. So police need to have probable cause, but we're not going to be able to contest that or raise that issue until we get to court. So my advice at a very practical level, I always used to tell my clients, the best thing to do if you wind up getting arrested, cooperate fully with the police, except don't talk to them about the crime until you have your... Uh, lawyer present or have talked with your lawyer. So that means keep your mouth shut in a way. So let's, let me just ask, you've been arrested and you don't, I guess you get a preliminary hearing to determine whether there was probable cause, but what about the, the concept of custodial interrogation? The police have a right to try to get information out of you. Isn't that true? That is true. Um, and certainly for most serious crimes, police seek to do that. So they, you know, the arrested person may get taken out of their jail cell and into an interrogation room and be questioned in the presence of, uh, police with no one else there. Now, this right. is where the famous Miranda warnings come in, and I'm sure all your listeners have seen it a hundred times on television where police Tell someone you have the right to remain silent. Uh, and Anything said can, can be used against you in a court of law. Yep. You have a, have a right to an attorney for your defense. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. There it is. So, Those are the warnings. Yep. Now, so, the so warnings. The, again, you have the right to keep your mouth shut, right? Absolutely. But once you start talking, does that cut it off? And then you say, I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, that you can do that. You can invoke that right to silence under Miranda warnings anytime. You can talk for five minutes and say, nope, don't want to talk anymore. And the police have to honor that. Mm-hmm. All right. You, do you know, Bob, that I think the Miranda warnings, this is the, well, just the end of 2016, the 50th year. Can you believe that? No, that's right. It was 1966 when that's uh, right. very, that famous decision was made by the Supreme Court. Miranda versus Arizona, or was it Arizona versus Miranda? And it was Miranda versus Arizona. <laughs> <a good> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, now let's talk about a couple of other words here. I, again, custody. Just what does custody mean when we're talking about the Fourth Amendment and talking about arrest? Well, custody, it means being under physical 
arrest, not not free to go with some uh, longevity to it. In other words, if it's just a brief stop on the street, police officer sees you and says, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute, and mm-hmm. you stop and engage the police officer in conversation for a few minutes, that's not custody. But obviously, that, on the other that, end of the extreme, police officer comes up and points a gun at you and says, you're not going anywhere, that probably is custody, along all right. with hands. So you can't, so, so you can't go anywhere. You, your freedom of movement is limited. So what is a Terry stop? You always hear about that. Right, and that's kind of what I was referring to a minute ago when I said if it's if a police officer were to come up to one of us on the street and simply say, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute, that's you're not free to go under that circumstance uh, normally if the police officer has been that clear. Uh, but it's if it's brief and there's no physical restraint with it, that's called what you just referred to as a Terry stop, a brief investigative detention that's not custody and its purpose is for the police theoretically to be to do some investigating mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. asking questions all right i understand now our time is running there's something else i want to talk about when you're stopped in your car you know can police say you got a broken tail light or a broken headlight do the police have the right to arrest you uh and and search your car for something like that Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, very controversial. Well, first of all, police, as most of us know, if we've been stopped a time or two for a traffic offense, if police have probable cause to believe we've violated a traffic law, speeding, rolling through a stop sign, whatever, uh, they do have the right to stop us. And then we'll see the blue lights on behind us, and they'll pull us over. Now, as to whether or not they can... They normally cannot search our car on a traffic stop unless we allow them to do so. And it's mm. there's been a lot of cases where a police stop somebody for a traffic offense and then say to the driver, do you mind if I search your car? If you mm. say yes to that, then you've given them full permission to search the car. Now, I remember, let me just stop you, Bob. I remember you wrote a big article about something like that years ago, something that was happening up in Volusia County. That's right. There were lots of those over on I-95 in Volusia County years ago, and the real purpose of the police uh, in those instances was to try to find drug couriers, those who had illegal drugs in the car in quantity and were running them from South Florida to places north. And they would use the traffic offense. Well, you weaved over the line a little bit or you didn't signal your lane change, something they probably wouldn't have really bothered to stop you for otherwise. And then they would ask for consent to search. And many times they got that consent. But so you don't have to consent if they ask, right? Absolutely right. But sometimes they will call, okay, so we're going to hold you until we get a drug-sniffing dog to come out. Can they do that? Most jurisdictions do allow them a certain period of time to do that. I mean, if they detained you for three hours, four hours, half a day with no dog showing up, then then you're in custody illegally. 
Right, uh, but right. Most jurisdictions say as long as the drug-sniffing dog or other detection device gets there quickly enough, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then that would develop if the dog comes and sniffs and says, yep, boss, there are drugs in the trunk there. Now there's probable cause to believe a crime has been committed, and based on our earlier conversation, then there would be the basis for arrest for a crime. Okay, so let's go back, Bob. And again, I call you Bob because I've known you so well. You are Robert Wharf. I'll just tell our our audience, and you are a well-respected law professor who's now taking his retirement. What happens, though, if you get stopped on I-95 or anywhere else for a broken headlight or weaving over the line or something like that? The police pull you over, and they give you a ticket, and then they say, uh, do we have permission to search? You should probably say no, whether you have anything in the car or do. I mean, when I say anything in the car, I mean contraband. Is that right? Yes, that that would be the that would be the advice that any serious criminal defense lawyer would give to a client. Don't so, don't consent in the same but, way that you don't talk to the police about any criminal offense if arrested. Right. So wait until you get a lawyer. Wait until your preliminary hearing. But let's then talk about some people just can't help from blurting things out. They're called spontaneous utterances in the law. Can those be used against you? Yes. <laughs> the the only answer is yes right away you didn't even have to think about that police yeah, arrest you and then you blurt out i didn't mean to steal my wife's car <laughs> yeah, exactly then those you know the truth is stranger than fiction those things do come up and we've seen them in the reports leonard in the court reports yeah we know all about that well bob it's really good talking to you about these things maybe people have learned a little couple of things about criminal procedure. That's what we've actually been talking about. If you are arrested, you don't have to say anything. You're not obligated to say anything if it's what I would consider a legal arrest. Uh, but you should get an attorney as soon as you can. All and right. The last point on that, Leonard, the law, the constitutional law does permit, uh, even if people can't afford a lawyer, as soon as they're charged with a crime, they have the right to ask the court for a lawyer, and a lawyer must be appointed free of charge. Yep, that's so, right. That that comes from the Miranda warnings. Yep. All right, Bob, it's so great. I thank you for that. Uh, I know your retirement seems to be going well, and I hope we've enlightened people. Peanut Gallery wants to give you some applause. <laughs> All right. My pleasure, Leonard. I'll see you. All right. So good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on my inaugural show. All right, Leonard. Yep. Bye now. Okay. Bye-bye.